this name, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them. But warn them solemnly and let them know what the king will do, who will reign over them will do. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a name. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them over or give them to his tenants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your uh, vintage and give it to his officials and his attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will use for his own for your take of his own income. He will take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. The Lord will have completed his task. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us out and to go before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all these people, said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the men who were let alone go back to his tent. This too is the word of the Lord. I confess, first Samuel chapter 8 is not a very popular Advent topic. Uh, it's not Isaiah, it's not the, the, the New Testament reading we read about John the Baptist and the camel hair and all the fun things we do at Christmas. It's not a prophecy about Jesus, it's not anything other, at least at first reading, than a story of how Israel decided they wanted a king. But this story to me, and as we'll see, and I think you'll agree, is a major turning point, not only for the people of Israel, but for us. It leads Israel down a path that they can't come back from. It leads Israel down a road to where it will create such a clear need for Jesus, such a clear need for a proper, righteous king. It paves the way for Jesus the same way John the Baptist did, paying more attention to the Baptist. And so tonight, let's, uh, let's begin going through some of the things we just read. Let's begin with verses 4 to 5. They say, Samuel, hey, we like you. You're a good guy. You've been a great, great high priest. You've led us. You've done these wonderful things, but there's a problem. And I love how blunt the elders of Israel are. You're old. Samuel, you're old. You're, you're not going to be around forever. And your sons, in the first couple of verses, they didn't read those, but his sons in verse 3 did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. The elders of Israel said, listen, Samuel, your son's not such good guys. Uh, we don't really want them to take over. So here's what we're going to do. You're old, you're going to die, and so we want a king. We've decided we want a king not because it's a good idea, not because the Lord told us, but simply because everyone else has one and we want one. I mean, really, it's what it says. But they say specifically, we want a king to be like all the other nations, like everyone else. Now, at first glance, you read this and you think, well, it's not so bad. Everyone had kings. It's the ancient world. You kind of needed a leader. You know, the high priest was a leader, but he's not really a military leader, so maybe this isn't so bad. Why is this such a problem? 
I like the idea of being a Christian, and I like the God of the Bible, and I like that God loves me, and I like that he also keeps me out of hell, which, by the way, is a very good thing. But, but I have this whole life I've built. I have all of these things figured out. How does God fit into what I've built? And I tell them, in my experience, none. None is really fitted in with God like that. When I tie the wrap box around God and keep him nice and neat and tidy, it doesn't really work. We try to fit God into our whole lives. You know, when things go wrong, we have like our parachute, right? In case of emergency, you know, then we pray. And like many modern Christians, Israel kind of did the same thing. They said, hey, listen, God, we're good with you if things go bad, but right now we want to be in control. There's a great slogan, you know, American for their bumper sticker. Uh, God is my co-pilot, or Jesus is my co-pilot. So, so what we're essentially saying with this phrase, I mean, because it's cute and it's whatever, it's funny. What we're essentially saying is we're in control and we're allowing God to come with us. In case we can't handle it, then, okay, the co-pilot help me up, or I have to go to the bathroom, why don't you keep an eye on things for me, God? Thank you. 
we see this in the thing that they choose, the person that they choose. We see that they choose a guy named Saul, who it says that he was the head and taller than everybody else. He looked big and imposing and strong. Why did he get Philistines in a couple of chapters? Had a guy named Goliath, who was tall and big and scary. And this gave the illusion of power and strength. So take yourself out of this ancient world and think about today. What do we do today? How do we live this today? around us? What is it we desire to put in the place of God? Even if our pastor is difficult. For me, it's a struggle, too. I see sometimes other pastors. I see these guys traveling around the world speaking. I see people writing books and pastors who somehow have time to get a PhD and do these wonderful things. And I think, what am I doing with my life? You know, I don't have this. I don't have time. And I, and I instantly, even with pastors, I, I find myself comparing myself and
what's amazing is that I've had people point out to me that it's reasons like this that God can't be good. It's reasons like this that God is a liar. And I said, well, you see, look, he said he loves his people, and yet he doesn't help. He won't help. But I made this nice, and he's got God. I see God loves his people so much that this is what he wants. And I said, I'll give to you as much as it hurts me. As much as you are rejecting me like the prodigal son and spitting in my face and taking your inheritance, I'll give it to you. This is what your heart desires. How can God do this? God doesn't do it. His people don't do it. We do it as Christians. Just like with Israel, the question comes up, who will we serve? Who will we choose? It's a very difficult topic sometimes, and it's one of those things where at some point we have to draw that line, right? At some point we have to say, this is who I will choose, and this is who will be my king. And for me personally, I happen to be a little bit childish. And so for me, it was always helpful to simplify these things, because I wonder, man, how do I convey this truth? How do I help people get there? How do I, how do, I do this? And for me, um, to be our king. 
the reason I titled this sermon tonight, Our Coming King, or The Coming King, Israel chose a king who wasn't the fear of God, and that's okay. We all do it sometimes. But in this season, as we prepare for Advent and continue to worship week after week, I just want to remind us tonight that we need Jesus in our lives. That our King came to be a light in a dark world and to show us the way. Pastor Doug has finished his sermon with this this morning, and I'm just going to steal it because it was so good. He just read the first couple of lyrics of the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Lord, we desire you. We don't always show it. We don't always prove it, or we don't always show it with our actions, Lord, but we desire you. Our hearts long for you. And Lord, even though at times we say no, we want something else. Give us the strength to do these. 